You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Welcome to Thank You for Your Servers, a show which looks at the tech news of today, but from a libertarian perspective. Now here are your hosts, Thaddeus and Gary. Thank you for logging on to Thank You for Your Servers. I'm Thaddeus Preston, a.k.a. Nick Way, and this is our weekly rants about tech topics of the week from a liberty perspective. And this and many other podcasts are brought to you by Make Liberty Great Again Network of Podcasts. What's going on, Gary? How's it going there, Thaddeus? It's been one hell of a tech week because, it, I mean, it's geekdom galore. Google I.O., Microsoft Build, and we have many, many other topics to get into. But let's kick things off, first things first, with Google I.O. It's geekdom galore. I used to love Google I.O. Still kind of do, still get very excited when it comes to things from the keynote. But Google I.O. kicked off to, uh, kicked off on May 7th with, uh, with uh, Sundar Pichai giving the, the keynote speech. And basic, basically, um, the big takeaways from the keynote, and of course, you know, Gary will also chime in on this, is we get new pixels. That are cheaper, yay! Um, the Nest Hub Max, which does away with the Nest brand, it is now Google Nest, um, was debuted at at Google I/O and shown to be very impressive. We got our third, we got our um, third look at the Q uh, at the Android Q beta. We don't really know what Q will stand for, what sweet sweet dessert it will stand for. I don't um, know what it could stand for. I, I, really. that's a, I don't know. I mean, it could probably stand for, I don't know, um, Quaalude if you want to get high. I don't know. I don't know what Quicks, you will stand like, for. Like Nestle Quick, maybe? Ooh, that's maybe. Only, I mean, but, or is that the, K? I don't know. Uh, I, I, that's a great question. I don't know what it would be. <laughs> um, either way, um, so you know, there was some kind of new things about that. They also announced that um, the, this really cool type, this really cool uh, aspect of the new Android beta, it will definitely be live captions in all videos within um, on the device, which is something that we'll discuss in more detail because they really went heavy on AI, particularly getting AI to the edges particularly on these devices. Next thing next is Project Mainline, which is basically the continuation of, of Android's um, uh, relentless pursuit to make sure that everybody, the Sprite carrier and the Sprite manufacturer, gets the updates necessary for Android. It basically mo- um, breaks Android into modules and allows the update of different components of Android without, again, relying on phone manufacturers and carriers um, Google Maps gets an incognito mode, particularly this year um, and, and every year, right? Because Google gets a bad rap for this, as well as Facebook and these other t- titans. Uh, they're all about wanting to make sure that you can delete location history, web activity, and everything else. Incognito mode for Google Maps joins the cadre of tools for kind of tightening up privacy. Um, Google Lens is going to get smarter and more creepier, which is awesome, um, because it will then be able to not only do what it has done in the past, and that is like, have you ever seen Google Lens like translate on page? 
like thing if you point to like a foreign like uh like a document with like foreign text it will like like you know i I had never seen i had never seen it in action but when i saw it in the keynote i mean it not only translates the letter the words into whatever language you want it keeps the font the color the boldness it's amazing it just it it really translates this whole thing into the full experience no it it blows me away the first time i'd ever seen it in really beta was like a friend of mine had came back from iceland and he was just like yeah that's what he did and then like this just takes it to the next level particularly with the fact that like they now these they're pushing their ai again to the edges um that is to these devices um, you know, and it's going to be uh, amazing. Um, other big announcements coming out of Google I.O. Uh, duplex for the web. So for those of us who were super excited about the duplex demo last year or, or creeped out and basically duplex was basically allowing Google Assistant to like make reservations for you via to, with another human. There was just yes. two or three creepy little, um, I, I, I say creepy in kind of a cool way, but like they were making reservations. The the Google Assistant was making reservations, and it was like, you know, giving hints like uh huh and mm mm-hmm, and yeah and uh huh and yes and like, it was able to like do multi branch things where like, oh this table isn't available, so the Google like Assistant was just like okay well how about this or how about this time or how about this day, so that basically gets extended now to the web, and they basically demoed, um you know taking. If I'm not mistaken, just correct me if I'm wrong, Gary. Like making you made a reservation to do what uh to rent a car or something, and it filled in all your key key information yes. based on your reservation for your flight and whatever and stuff like yep. that on the web page, and it goes through your web the the, the web page and like makes the reservation for you. Yeah, via the web. It, it 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 basically read your mind, put in what you would have put in, and. <laughs> yeah made that reservation and it was you know i gotta admit you know when i saw that demonstration it was a little you know you use the word creepy and i think that's the word yeah um mainly because it's so foreign to anything we've ever done you know you're not really interacting you're letting this smart machine interact for you on your behalf and it well you know well it, it has yet to be seen i think whether it will actually work in the wild or, definitely you want to see these things work in the wild but uh but i mean the demonstration was definitely impressive um and you know if anybody could do it i i think google could yeah no our overlords our google overlords will figure out a way and there's no doubt about that developers well, have had these tools for a long time where they want to kind of um, where they want to uh, uh, check like the functionality of a website, so they'll build a script on top of that actually goes through their web application and simulates what users would put into fields and what they would click and stuff like that to make sure, sure that everything is functional. This just sure. takes it to the next level, and you're right. Read literally read your mind, and, and but really just goes through your reservation that you have in Google Assistant, and just like hey, hey, you might need a rental car, or you might need some Airbnb, or you might need some whatever. And I, I well, some of the some of the aggregate stuff that they were playing in it also was you know when you were talking about the restaurants and going to the restaurant, you you know you can bring up a menu at the restaurant, and it will know what's on the menu at that restaurant. And if you ask it what, you know, Hey, what are people interested at this restaurant? It 
it will show you the most popular dishes at that restaurant. Again, yet to be seen how it's going to play out in the wild, but I think if people are using it and Google is having access to that data and doing the analytics on it, they're going to be able to know, you know, where people's eyes are going and what pieces they're interested in and sharing it with the world. I mean, their, their mission statement at the very beginning of the, the keynote speech at IO was, uh, what was, I can't remember it verbatim and I actually wrote it down. Or, I mean, it used to be organizing the world's information and making it truly accessible to everyone. You almost um, said it verbatim. That's the way yeah. I remember it. Yeah. Um, it, it, and of course, don't be evil, which was always stupid. Um, it, you know, they didn't say that. <laughs> they, well, they don't, they don't. They don't say that anymore. Um, <laughs> because you know they've they've. It's kind of like they've accepted the fact, like, okay, maybe we're a little evil, but you still like our cool shit, right? I mean, our cool stuff, right? And it's just like, well, yeah, we still do. Okay, well, you know, you guys are still evil, <laughs> but we still like your cool stuff. And yeah, we so, like it. <laughs> so yeah, and um, I, I mean, I I didn't delve too deep. I mean, it, it's it's typically for me, it's a nerd wonderland. Um, I know there was some talk of uh, in some of the other kind of breakout sessions for developers, like the Fuchsia OS, basically this new OS that they're going to start to consolidate Chrome OS, their IoT stuff, and Android into one unified like operating system. So there's a little bit there's a little bit more involved with that. I'm actually kind of interested in getting my hands on maybe some of the pixels because, I mean, I like my Hero flagship phone from last year. Um, but I also like if I'm going to go travel to other places around the, in the world, um, I don't like to take my almost $700, $800 phone with me. These Google, these, right. these, these pixels are, are, are probably, it's kind of like Google's hearkening back to the old Nexus program where they actually made like affordable usable phones yep so that they could you know you know there was a there was a lot in the in the keynote speech and i I focus a lot on the keynote because i watched that's the one piece that i really focused on but um there was a lot in there excuse me about making all of this accessible they had a big long human interest segment on a mother in india who was illiterate she couldn't read but because of the ability to have access to a cheap phone with this technology where she could point it at her kid's report card, for example, and have it read it to her. I mean, it was pretty powerful to see the change that it made in her life. Again, I don't know if it was staged, but I am assuming it wasn't. But, you know, the skeptical part of me goes, okay, well they're trying to sell it but Obviously, at the same right. time because it's all about it's it's all about stories right and that's a very powerful sure. one right? because you re- you now you remember it right but anecdotally i mean i've had similar experiences where i have experienced something in technology that has changed my view on the world and i don't think it's that big of a stretch to go to something like that and say okay you know what if you can have a 30 dollar phone that can do what a $700 flagship phone can, then you've, you've, you're going to change the world. You really are. And yeah, it's true. And I mean, it's, 
and it's what they continue to do with all the data they have and now all the expertise they have in machine learning. Another one, another big thing they that were, that they announced and definitely broke down, and I, I assume there were breakout sessions about is the fact that like from to allow all this machine learning to happen, like um, they have their own custom silicon in the form of these TensorFlow processors that are going to allow that allow them to at scale do these miraculous things that you saw in the keynote. Um, I, I I for I for one um, am always always impressed about the hardware um, that is going to be powering this stuff, and and I I I in order to make those types of powerful impacts, those kind of human interest story impacts, you're going to need compute, and no one is better um, at at doing that than than Google when it comes to that. I mean, I don't know if you saw the part of the keynote was like the. Uh, the project uh, 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 Euphonia um, for those who are disabled and stuff like that. And like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Building tools that like allow that stuff to happen. And, and, you know, everyone likes to beat up on the big tech companies and stuff like that. And, you know, sometimes they deserve a little kick in the butt. But uh, when you see things like that and you understand like what technology will allow and what what will enable you know, people who were disenfranchised in the past, they actually do that. I mean, if you want to look at a real true liberty angle, nothing is nothing better than like technology leaders are empowered the most, you know, uh, vulnerable among us to basically be contributors to like, I guess, the global economy. Right. And, you know, uh, they, they did they did have, you know, they had a couple of people with um, they had one with ALS and another one with multiple sclerosis, I think was, anyway, both of them had, the the one with ALS couldn't speak at all, right? Uh, this is the uh, same Stephen Hawking kind of thing, right? Yeah. So, yeah. The, you know, the previous technology is, as they put it in the keynote, was you have to type every single word with your eyeballs, you know, on this screen. And... Google's coming up with, you know, their their basic approach to this thing is what if there are other ways to communicate? You know, what what if words aren't the only way? So they're really thinking outside the box and like you said, they're touching these people who they have a lot to contribute. Yeah, no doubt. But they don't have a way to connect. You know, yeah. they they've got this other guy who he couldn't barely speak, but they were working on speech recognition for him through uh, some of this learning stuff that they're putting together. And they were demonstrating that it could understand what he was saying. You know, we as humans can understand it. We can, we can hear it and go, okay, it, it clearly the guy has an impediment. He's got a, uh, you know, some issues that he's dealing with, but I can kind of understand what he's saying. Well, they're getting the machines to do the same thing now. Yeah, no, that's, that's that all that, all that, all that is very, very impressive. And, and again, it, it, and what we'll, what we'll discuss later on in the show is just like, it wasn't, it was a, it was a kind of a more human Google IO than it's been in the past. As Google has now taken the world's information, it has been hoovering up over the last decade, and now starting to offer true, uh, truly, it's kind of kind of what we kind of discussed offline. And we, you should definitely, we should definitely do like 
a podcast of just our pregame or pre-show stuff because like, <laughs> we because we definitely discussed this where it's just like you could take the technology and move it to the real world and impact the real world and that's what Google's doing with things yes, like Nest are. and Maps and the things we're discussing yep. right now for 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 uh, for uh, disability for helping folks with disabilities and accessibility. And yeah, yeah, you know, and like in in Microsoft's build was much much more geared toward the tools necessary to make people much more productive and stuff. And we'll get into that here shortly. And uh, but we got to move on to the next story because this one I think is near and dear to your heart. You actually turned me on to this, and we actually had a very long discussion about it. And that's yes, you know, we did. It, yeah, is streaming <laughs> music mo- is the streaming music model unfair to artists? Man, you take it away, man. So this is your baby. So this, Let's see what it is. This one here really touched me a little bit because number one, I'm a I'm a rock and roll fan. I love I, I love music of all kinds. And uh, I happened upon an article. Uh, it was an interview with Paul Stanley of KISS. And uh, basically he was on tour. He did an interview with uh, Yahoo Business promoting his new book that he's coming out with. And and one of the pieces of the interview was where he basically came out and said that streaming music or streaming services are killing music because, and in his words, and, and, and it made a lot of sense to me as a laborer, as a, an artist, I should be able to produce my product and put a price on it. And if you want to buy it, you buy it. And if you don't want to buy it, you don't buy it. But the streaming services are turning the table saying, okay, if you want to stream your music, we will pay you X number of cents or dollars or whatever for whatever volume and take it or leave it. And it, it started me thinking, you know, it, it, basically Paul Stanley's whole thing is this is killing the free market. Well, I, I don't know if it is killing the free market because the free market is what enables services streaming services like Spotify or any of the others to start up, to grow, to get their base, you know, and okay. So yeah, Paul Stanley, sorry, we're going to pay you the same amount of money per song that's streamed as we are some kid who came up with a song and published it. And this is his only song on Spotify. Okay, what makes that right or wrong? Well, you know, the thoughts that came to my mind were, first of all, okay, Paul Stanley, shrewd businessman, as is Gene Simmons, his partner in crime, right? They grew up business-wise in the 70s. In the 70s, the paradigm was, if you didn't have a million-dollar studio to record your music in, on professional equipment with a professional mixer and a professional um, person doing the mixing and doing the production and all that and put a million dollars into this album before it even hits the the market, you're not going to go anywhere. You're not going to do anything, right? You're not going to make the millions of dollars that Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons and all the others have made. Yeah. Nowadays... Anybody with a laptop can produce music. And this is true. Little Nas X is a prime example of that. 
it's amazing what these people are coming up with. And I think from an art perspective, it's a phenomenal uh, improvement because it gives people the ability to be artists and to put out what their passion is rather than what some big wig in an office with a cigar says you have to produce. It's literally the democratization of the industry. That's what it is. Yes. Yes. A couple yeah. points with it, right? So I read it and I understand it and I'm very sympathetic to his argument. But, you know, here here's one quote that kind of stuck out to me and like it actually had made me think. You see, he says, because musicians, as anybody who's a laborer, uh, who's a laborer should be able to set their fee and then you either buy it or not. See, yes, it's a free market. The problem with the current music industry as it stands today is there's an oversupply of talent. There's a and, lot of supply. Uh, supply. Yep. You know, and and let me and and that's that's actually pretty commendable, right? That leads to that democratization I'm, I'm speaking of. But I mean, Spotify just passed 100 million premium users. Premium users. That's people paying ten dollars a month or more. Yep. Like and so and like this and Spotify still lost money. So it, it <laughs> you know this quarter right it, it makes money from time to time but it it lost money, right? I mean. What does that tell you? Well, they're distributing a lot of their profits to these artists. They are or the middlemen. All right. Like the other thing, he can he he can he can say that like you know I mean he's you know he's been in the game. They're they're an established act. They know what they need to do. The third little secret about the music industry is like you don't make money from from spends or album plays. You just don't. You make your money right. merchandising and touring. It's always been the and, case. And- and if anybody should know that, it's Kiss. Right. Just because you put, <laughs> you just because you make a song, you put it out there for a price, that doesn't mean anyone has to buy it. But if a streaming service right. is going to give you the exposure and pay you, you know, a couple, uh, you know, some crumbs, it's not about what you make from the plays. It's not even about what you make from the album sales. It's about what you right. make when you get your butt on the road and you, night after night, you hit those venues. That's how it works. When I was an aspiring rapper in a former life, that is what people told me all the time. It was just like, mm, yeah, 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 you know, no, 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 no. You know, the A&R will pay you, you know what I'm saying, like up front and whatever. You'll record in the studio, you'll do whatever. But like you're not going to make your money until you are on the road or you are making right. appearances. Until you're, until you're humping it and making the effort to get out there and put the blood, sweat, and tears into it, literally, you're not going to make the millions. You're not going to make the thousands. You're not going to make anything. I mean, just think of it, right? Spotify alone has more subscribers than a local market has listeners. We, you know, that's 170 in, in Q1 of 2018, they had 173 million monthly users. And 100 million of them are like paying customers. So, I mean, I'm sorry if the. I'll not, it's a supply and demand issue. If the amount of it talent had yep. stayed constant, then yes, people who people would be getting a little bit more money from your streaming services. 
but payola and spins and airtime are nothing more than promotional tools. If you're making money off of it, more power to you. Yeah, the good agent, you got a good record label, but you need to hit the road and do whatever. And I mean, I, I just again, the story of not little Nas X, some you know some trap rapper from you know, from you know um, Atlanta. Who basically right. just who, who, he took a beat from some cat from from like the Netherlands, and and then did some country crap and did and, and threw it together and, and I put love it out this there story. and he promoted it <laughs> himself and like he became he, it is now literally the number one song in the world or at least in the he top busted, five. He busted his butt. He got out there and he used Spotify as a tool. Yeah, now, he, whether this was his intent or not, maybe, I don't know, maybe he was saying, okay, you know, if I can make a few bucks off Spotify, whatever, but the the thing went viral, right? Yeah. No, no Lord knows how many, like, listens it has across many different platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Music, I mean, actual airplay, right? And then that, that right. prompted Billy Ray Cyrus to come in, that lent, that lended cachet to it. And that's all she wrote. And it's like, and that whole story is a microcosm of why, at the end of the day, is streaming music the model that exists unfair to artists? The aggregate, in aggregate, the answer is a resounding no. I would say it is okay, perceptibly unfair to lazy artists. If (laughs) maybe if, if you're an artist and you feel, Oh, I'm going to make a million dollars off of Spotify and go buy my yacht. Okay. You know what? Good luck to you. If it happens, great. But if it doesn't, not surprised that person moving on and the way the algorithm works, that person would have to have a hundred billion like listens or something stupid like that. Yeah. Right. Like up uh, up with the Beatles and stuff. Yeah. It ain't happening. No. That so yeah, from is... from that perspective, I think that uh, you know more power to Spotify, more power to any of the streaming services. I think the artists would be smart to, if they if they're looking at it as a source of income, don't look at it as a source of exposure. Yeah, but get out there, do the hard work, get your butt on the road, and and sell yourself. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, a very interesting story, valid complaints from someone, you know, in the old, you know, someone from the old school and stuff like that, who doesn't, who he doesn't necessarily see things the way maybe we see things or even the way things are. Um, I mean, that's not to say that, you know, there isn't any validity in what he's saying. I mean, there absolutely positively is validity in what he's saying. That, that doesn't mean that there's anything you can really do. Well, there, there, other than yeah, hustle. there's, there's validity in what he's saying if you limit your scope of of the industry to just that. But the fact of the matter is, it's so much bigger than that, and there's so much more opportunity to be had. And really, streaming services is that the real test of your popularity? Is that the real? No, no it's it, it's it's your initial a- exposure. It's, yeah, it's it's across all social media and all things. 
and sure. and the traditional routes, right? Because you know there's still terrestrial radio to a certain extent. It's it's yeah. yeah it's, it's how much you can sell on you know um, Google Music, Apple Music, you know you you, you name it, right? It's it, it's you know it's less about physical album sales than anything else. Um, it's just just different. Um, right. Yeah, and, and so I, I, yeah, I, I, I get it. Right. I mean, and it's always been the concern. It's always been, um, if you're not big, then you know you're not, you're not going to make a lot of money with this, right? You're not going to be able to, um, you know, command what a Taylor Swift, can, Swift can command, or what a Paul, Paul Stanley can. Right. That being said, I mean, that doesn't mean that you know it should all be burnt to the ground. But I mean, it is, it is what it is. All right, and so now uh, we move on to what happened here at the other big developer conference of the week, and that is Microsoft Build. Microsoft Build is um, kind of, it's it's less like Google I.O. in the sense that like now Microsoft has truly, honestly, become the IBM of the 21st century. It is an enterprise company. Um, and they had a slew of announcements this week um, uh, lined up for build here. Uh, the company executives, were, were, you know, detailed enhancements coming down the pipeline for Microsoft Search, its cross uh, its cross domain search solution, and the Microsoft Grab, a unified programmable model for AP, a, a, an API that provides access to data for Office 365. We got to talk about Office 365 demo, man. There was Definitely. one one demo where they're like. They were literally typing in a chat window in English and in all the other chat windows within that, it was actually translating in real time as you were typing in other languages. Wow. Um, it, it was it, it, Microsoft 365. Uh, at first, it was just a Google Docs knockoff. On the enterprise side, it is the real effing deal. It is phenomenal what they do with that thing now there was the other demo that blew me away was they were actually edit so there was a spreadsheet within a document that people were collaborating with right and, and me and you have collaborated on google docs and, and stuff and you know it, it when the connection's good it's actually very smooth and stuff but they were doing it in real time they someone said hey we should probably move they, they took the spreadsheet took an instance of it, put it in this chat window, and they were both editing the spreadsheet document, the spreadsheet portion of the document in the chat window. And it was just like, <laughs> holy cow. And the fact I that I could that, see my boss getting really confused by that. To that's very and, 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 and like this it's is it going to be used a lot? No. But it'll be used for some other aspects and some other things. Um, like their enterprise stuff, like, I mean, Azure Active Directory, Windows 10. Um, it's basically become Google Cloud services for, like, grown-ups. Um, and yeah. and um, no one's using Bing. Bing sucks. But the simple fact of the matter is they're going all in. The SharePoint's better. Uh, OneDrive. I mean, you've you've sung the praises of OneDrive. I, I love OneDrive. I'm I'm thinking about moving to OneDrive, even though I'm a um, I've always been a Google Docs sla- uh, Google Drive slash like uh, Dropbox guy. Um, well, I'll tell I'll tell you, you know, for for my for my I work for a very small company. We got 25 employees, and 
we just switched over a few months ago to Microsoft 365 and it has been night and day difference for us because number one, it handles all of your office licensing. Every user gets to install Microsoft Office on up to five devices. They get a terabyte of cloud storage. All Everything's held in one place. I can go to one dashboard and tell who's using what. I can tell who's the active licenses, who's the inactive licenses. I can tell how much storage they're using. Anyone's computer crashes, I can just go swap it out for a new one, sign into their Microsoft account, everything syncs up and it's done. I don't have to go and reinstall anything, you know, from a disk. Yeah. I mean, worry about the license transfers. It just the, happens. The, the the things that they have made easier now, I mean, no longer is Windows this this joke, right? Even up to the point where now the Windows terminal is not only tab based, but um it's you know it, it it makes the command line experience of course i guess vastly improved they're doing you know uh unix uh command uh, command line envi- like environments they're tabbed they're colored they have emojis uh, I, I, and it's just like i'm like oh my god that that terminal looks i would go back to terminal if like the dos prompt right you know you know cmd right. looks like that you know sometimes you have to, you want to run things in multiple like tabs within a command line, right? Which, which Unix and Linux have been doing from time immemorial. But like this, this is better. I mean, Microsoft is also launching a Visual Studio Online Code Editor. Um, so mm. like, no longer is it going to require you to have big beefy, you know, when you're on the road, big beefy hardware to do any software development. Um, it's you know, so Microsoft announced that you know. It's going to do a private beta launch of like Visual Studio Online. It'll be an online code editor. Wow. Um, I hope to get a hold of that because I would love. One of the big problems I have with my developers where I'm at is, and it's a constant complaint, you know, my computer's so slow, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, we got you like the top of the line machine. With 16 gigs of RAM, we got you a terabyte of hardware. What are you doing to, well, when I get three instances of Visual Studio running and blah, 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 I'm going, oh, my God. Right. You know? You, you, yeah, and, and what this will allow you to do is it'll allow you to leverage those Azure cloud instances that you, will give you what you need when you need. Um, right. I think I, they're going to, you know, and they're also going to, they also announced like uh, uh, the next evolution of, of, of IntelliSense. Um, that's basically uh, auto completion for, for code with something called IntelliCode. It'll be an AI assisted development tool for, for building better code or building code. And this I'm very excited about. Uh, yes. I, 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 for years we've been hearing about experiments at some software companies, particularly Google, where they've actually had uh, AI writing code. Um, this doesn't necessarily write code for you, but it definitely suggests, based on what the, the context of the project that you're writing, um, that uh, you know it'll suggest code completion based on the classes you've created and the you know and and, and if you're an MVC developer, it's just like hey, you can't use this 
you need, you know, how about you use this view because you're using this model. And, and like all this stuff, uh, I've never been geeked. I've never been super excited about Microsoft build, um, until this year. And like, I'm, and I'm not a Microsoft fanboy at, by any stretch of imagination, but like this was a big deal. And I, I'm, I'm blown away by the fact that like Microsoft is now like, you know, that the new CEO of Microsoft, um, what, uh, Sanjay Nadella, uh, if I pronounce his name right, if not, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ethnic, I'm, I'm slurring, I'm slurring his ethnic name. Don't, um, don't look at me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that guy, <laughs> that guy is like the Lee Iacocca of like this company. This is, I mean, Jesus Christ. Like Microsoft is back. I mean, I can't, it is, I can't stress that enough. And they're just, they're killing it. They're the second largest cloud provider behind Amazon. Um, and they've, and they've, they've gone, they, I, in my opinion, probably because they have more paying customers in my opinion, when it comes to cloud services and like, and these kind of enterprise services, um, I mean, they just they just beat Google like they stole something, and it's, and and like I remember like that that demonstration in I think within SharePoint using something called Fluid. It's a, there's an API that allows you to do, to do those things I discuss about multiple windows and instances of windows that allow you to like type in one in German and have it translate in like Dutch in another and something like that. That stuff. This is all stuff that Google has developed years ago. Um, I, I, I always tell people about the, the tragic story of Google Wave. And Google Wave was essentially this. Google Wave was essentially what we saw in that demonstration plus Slack plus, you know, Google Docs um, with, with a little bit of Gmail mixed in. And it was, it was, it was an amazing tool. I mean, and they never capitalized on it. Microsoft basically has taken those types of technologies, those types of workflows, and have just built, a, for at least for a paying enterprise, far superior tools than you could get for, um, from 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 Google or anyone. Um, and bravo for Microsoft being absolutely more power to them. You know, I back. I'll tell you, yeah, the the. The things that we've put in place from them, uh, I used to hate them. Honestly, I we they were a necessary evil in my yes, world. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, from the where you get the random emails, it's like, okay, you know, we need you to fill out these surveys, you know, to do these audits and whatnot. It was like their whole model was based around we're going to catch you for misusing our software. Right. And they and they find companies big time for doing that. But now they're offering such cost effective solutions. It doesn't make sense. Open sourcing the hell out of things. They're learning from Google, I think. That's why I'm that's why I'm very, very impressed with the, 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 the greatest comeback story. Unless Facebook pulls a rabbit out of its hat. The greatest comeback story in the tech industry won't be IBM, won't be uh, won't be any Nintendo. It won't be 
I don't know, name a company that was on the, you know, they're on his deathbed and now it's back. It will be Microsoft. It will, it will literally be, a, it's been a slow 10-year slog. And yeah. their tools, particularly their developer tools, they, I mean, some of it is expensive. Some other tools are, are still fairly expensive, but they're just, they're just good. They're just well, when really you talk good. about, uh, when you talk about Visual Studio, I mean, the, the newest licensing, $45 a month per user. Hell, I'll buy that for myself just to have it, you know, yeah. because, uh, and be legal. Why not? And have full access to the Microsoft developer network. Which is, this which is, is in a and of itself invaluable. And not to mention the fact that like, you also now have the power of GitHub behind you, right? That's a yep. Microsoft property now. And um, it, it, it's it's kind of, uh, they've just done the right things. I mean, people moaned and groaned because, oh my God, the evil. Because a, a lot of old school cats are out there don't really look at Microsoft the, the, the way, they look at Microsoft the way we used to look at Microsoft. You know, you said yourself, like, back in the day, their tools were a necessary evil. And, yeah. Um, and now you're just like, no, no, this is not, this is a different Microsoft, man. I mean, even down to like Xbox. Like, I mean, the Xbox is really the first thing they did really, really white, really, really right. And I, I'm, I'm the, in the Azure stuff. I think was great. It's, it's just, I, I don't know. It, simply, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. So, yeah, I mean, Azure. I, I love the ability. I, if I need to spin up a server for an hour, I can do it. Right. And and they charge me by the minute. You know, oh, you need this much server for this much time? Okay, here you go. It's yeah. done. It's in place. Yeah, definitely when yeah. you're running microservices and stuff like that where or, or these kind of new um, Docker instances where it's just like you don't even need to bring up a full server instance. You just need to run a microservice. And so, like, and Azure has the tools that allow you to come, go, come in, run that service, run that job, cron job or whatever. To, to date myself and and like get your data and then like get out of there right and so that's and and from a security standpoint you know you're sitting on microsoft and microsoft has you know they will satisfy any auditor that comes in and i don't need to show them okay this is my server cabinet this is my key you know i have to go through this door. i don't have to tell them any of that all i have to do is say Go talk to Microsoft. That's where yeah, it is. That's absolutely. And it, yeah, that's that's the, there's something to be said about the that um, yeah these these offsite you know cloud services these serverless instances and stuff which is basically nothing more than like you're just running microservices and um, yeah and, yeah where you just don't well microservices or even even a dedicated SQL server or whatever you know for your enterprise. It doesn't matter. I mean, you're still you still have the power and the security of Microsoft behind you. Yeah, and that's something to be said. Like that's something you couldn't have said ten years ago without people like laughing you out of the room, or not or, at all, yeah. or, or, or 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 taking out their guns and training them on you. It's like you take that back. That's BS. Microsoft is the devil. Um, it's, <laughs> so it's, it's, yeah. All right. This is funny. You know, I, I, I am done singing the praises of Microsoft for now. Um, they're doing better than, 
they're doing a little better than Google. Um, they're not as hated as Amazon. Amazon's not taking that mantle. And God forbid, you know, everyone everyone hates Facebook. But then after my tour of my local data center facility for Facebook, I'm a, I, have a, I have a newfound respect for them that, I, that I'll talk about in later, later episodes. But now we've got to kind of move on to the last topic here. Um, and this is actually kind of a continuation of what we discussed uh, last week. Um, yes. Uh, and that is... That is the rise of fear-based social media like Nextdoor, Citizen, and now Amazon's Neighborhood app. Amazon's Neighborhood, yep. Um, so, so I read, so the, the it's a Vox article. Um, yes, I, I, I torture myself when I, when I do such a thing. <laughs> um, and they bring up a couple of good points about the fact that, like, look, these apps are, 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 you know, you know, and the fact that everyone's buying them and the fact that these companies upsell people or sell people on them, uh, you know, kind of plays on the fact that like, you know, there's crime everywhere and things rampant and crime is rampant everywhere or violent crime is rampant everywhere. Right. Well, the, the Vox article was, was right in the sense that like, yes, violent crime is at its lowest rate in decades. This is true. Um, that is in aggregate. I live in a city where we have had 112, 113 shootings in 114 days. Um, so with wow. 27 fatalities. So, I wow. mean, that's, that's aggregate. Okay, so when, when we talk about lowest rate in decades and aggregate, they are correct. What they're not right about is the fact that property crime is high in a lot of cities, particularly a lot of urban areas, particularly where I live. And so the Nextdoor app and the Citizens app and the, and, and the Neighbors app play into that fear, right? I mean, markets are going to play into those fears. They and, always do. Fear, and, fear sells more than anything else in yeah. the world. And it always no, will. That and sex. And so, yeah, it, it, you know, you, I understand the sentiment of the article that this, you know, woke chick from Brooklyn wrote. Um, uh -huh. You know, and, and basically, like, it, it, instead of getting into the fact that, like, maybe the reason why these fear-based apps are popular is because, A, there seems to be a market failure, i.e. a government failure, in policing these small property crimes, and, um, and a market failure in, in a lot of other instances to, that people feel the need now to take advantage of these applications, no, no. In the age of wokeness, this article was going into it's a hotbed of racial stereotyping. Okay, maybe, <laughs> right? But really, no. Yeah, that's not, I, I, I that's saw not, that. I saw that component of it, and I just kind of started rolling my eyes. I was like, okay, I, I, you know, I, I belong to my um, next door group for Laguna Niguel here in California. And I have not seen one single post on there talking about race or, or, or colors. It's mostly, Hey, I saw this guy walking his dog and, and he couldn't control him. And I thought maybe he would jump out and bite me or something, you know, but they, they don't mention anything about the person, at least not here in this. one, And, and that's purely anecdotal and, I don't know right. how relevant that is, but we're not at no the same time that it doesn't happen. It's just saying that that shouldn't be 
that's not the underlying reason why maybe these apps are popular. Now, Amazon has a has a has a pretty cutthroat, cold-blooded, capitalist, legitimate reason. No one likes the packages that you deliver to your customers being stolen. Right. <laughs> and so that's why Amazon, Yeah, they've got a vested interest, right? They have a huge vested interest in making sure that doesn't happen. And it, I was part of our neighborhood next door, uh, not uh, uh, next door app. Um, yeah, like, and it basically, you know, and I, I had some drinks with a friend of mine tonight, and she was like, "Yeah, I don't like looking at the next door app. It just made me paranoid." <laughs> well, you know what? You know what I think? You know what I think? There is really there's there is a voyeuristic desire amongst a lot of people this is that true. this satisfies. This is absolutely true. Like it, it's like I don't even mean like I. It's funny. I was going to wax eloquent about the fact that like we we, we just live in this low trust society and we you know we just need to get to get you know we need to learn to learn our neighbors learn learn. I mean I mean get to know our neighbors learn our neighborhood and stuff like that. But I think at the most primal level, I think you're right. I think it's just the voyeuristic nature. Yeah, people just want to, they want to <laughs> look over the people. fence and go, ooh, what's going on there? I can't tell you on my neighborhood Facebook group for the city, you know, we've got a, a group that's run by some very militant uh, administrators. And it's it's hilarious because one of the most polarized, and this is not to get too much off on a tangent, but to give you an idea of how weird this group is, um, one of the most polarizing topics, in fact, the most polarizing topics is coyotes. (laughs) I swear, only in the West, man. (laughs) I swear to you, anytime anyone mentions a coyote, in fact, in the group rules, it says, if you're going to post something about a coyote, post where you saw it, when you saw it, and then disable commenting <laughs> because people eat each other up. It's hilarious. And, what and they, every what single eating each other up about what, what, they were here first. We oh, moved into their land, and then somebody me. else comes in and goes. No, God damn it! I'm gonna pro- I'm gonna protect my land at my cost, and that dang coyote's gonna die. Blah blah. And people get their blood boiling over a stupid coyote. I mean, and you know. it, it's it's hilarious to watch, but at the same time, you know, the next most common post is: Does anyone know what the helicopter's doing, hovering over? Yeah. And it's, and, and it's people, funny, like, I think you, you you almost question the utility of the app when you have idiots in your neighborhood on it. Well, I don't know if it's <laughs> idiots so much as just people who are so into their raw humanity. You know, they want to know what's going on, and yeah, yeah, you know, I think so. and whether it's I, even <laughs> important or not, I don't know. But it's hilarious to watch. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I, I to, to bring it back around to. Though the voyeuristic angle is actually uh, that kind of blows up my whole my whole spiel to be honest. Like, yeah, they, they, they might just be that, but no, I think generally speaking, like these apps get crack traction because yes, you're right. People are voyeuristic. People want to know what's going on around them because people aren't getting out of their their damn houses and like talking to people, right? Right. <laughs> and right. like you know, getting to know their neighborhoods and stuff like that. But look, you know, we know violent crime. Uh, Maybe at an all-time low in aggregate, right? But property crime is still up, 
right? I mean, like, sure. I guess, I guess, you know, I gave my example of like, you know, Walmart checking receipts in and out of the place. I don't have to submit to that, but that's never really been something that I've ever been pressured to do. And it's because we live in a very low trust society. Right. We do. And we and, do. And, and and a lot of that, like you said, it's a it's a lack of human interaction yeah, and a lack yeah. of common understanding. And so basically there's a market failure or or cultural failure, right? Where it's a cultural failure. Failure yeah. where like these these apps just kind of take the place of the neighborhood watch. And they take the place of neighborhood block parties and getting to know your neighbors and your kids and stuff like that. And it's you know, like but but to but to make this about this article was mainly about just kind of saying like it's all about hating on brown people and stuff like that. So like this this is the quote to kind of make you know that made me just blow up, right? It's just like these apps are not the definitive guide to crime in a neighborhood. It is merely a reflection of people's own bias. That goddamn word, um, which criminalizes people of color, the unhoused, oh. and other marginalized communities uh-huh. this damn arthur lives in gentrified brooklyn new york part of a metropolitan yeah. area that has the what are they what are they worried about writing bs articles stating nonsense like this like mm-hmm. it, it, get out of here with that nonsense man it, it, you know come to a mid-sized city that you fly that, that you fly over on the way back and forth to the coast and deal with real people dealing with real issues property crime is a real thing oh better yet how about you come into Albuquerque and I drive you four hours south to the border, right? Not to get, oh. not to get, not, don't get me started on that. This is a tech show. But the simple fact yeah. of the matter is, yeah, I, I don't like when they take these stories and move them in that direction because it's just like it, there's, an, there's other underlying human anthrop- anthropological themes that we need to explore. The voyeuristic nature of man, the, the right. fact that people – People want to know what's going on around them because they because social interactions between neighbors is down, and I mean market failure and the fact that like the police can't stop petty property crime. We have a low trust society. Uh, you know, you have corporate interests like it's like hey, Amazon doesn't like freaking you know um, their packages snatched up off of their customers' porches. Like that costs them money and prestige, yeah. And, yeah, and reputation. And so yeah, so. That's ultimately, I mean, what's going on here. And I, I, I you know, and, and, and I found that article very, very interesting because I know we had talked, we had discussed it last week. And um, yeah, I just found it sort of, sort of fascinating in a way. And I, I well, I think, you know, I, I, I don't think we focus on the cultural aspect of things enough. We, you know, if you look at any legislation, anything it's going to deal with one of two things it's either going to deal with money or it's going to deal with race i mean yeah that's really what we boiled down to and it's sad because there's so much more that's intangible to be gained from going next door talking to your neighbor sharing a drink whatever yeah you know no no doubt absolutely you know it reminds me of a story i saw a while back in the news there was a little girl walking her dog a little seven-year-old girl walking her dog and people were calling the police because they didn't feel she was safe i'm like okay this little girl's walking her dog around the block maybe instead of calling the police and reporting her parents to the authorities maybe you could be a good neighbor and help watch out for her absolutely 
you know, <laughs> I couldn't have said it be a human myself. being and go <laughs> that that little girl needs all the help she can get. She's seven. And I'm going to sit here and watch out for her. And if anything comes about, I'm going to go out there and make my presence known. Yeah. We lack that. We yeah. lack that. And yeah, and we use these um, these apps as proxies for that. And I, I think we, you know, if you if you want to remove the human bias element out of it and stuff like that, um, don't blame the apps. Don't blame anything else other than look at look at a greater societal breakdowns and yeah these these apps either facilitate that or they ample or they exacerbate it or they or they or they are created to correct an overall issue we we've covered a lot today and uh you know a lot of follow-up from last week so uh, um a lot well, to think about no i have a lot to think about man and uh definitely uh this has been uh, this has been a blast so with no further ado let's wrap this up let's log off i am Thaddeus Preston, a.k.a. Nick Way, N-I-C-K-W-A-Y-E. You can follow me on Twitter. Yeah, no. no and no. I am Gary Guthrie, the uh, old guy on the West Coast with no Twitter and uh, none of that crap yet. So we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll see if I can ever get myself into the 19th century here. No, no, man. We're going <laughs> we're, we're, we're to get, get you at least on the Twitter, at the very least, and stuff like that, because, you know. We're gonna make this a, okay. We're gonna make this a big extravaganza. We're gonna make this the biggest, best liberty-based, libertarian angle on tech in the industry. I, you mark my words. So with that said, love it. All right, we're out, and uh, you know, stay tuned for next week, man. On thank you for all the right. servers. Bye now.